0: in hoops where ball is always life. I'm your host Karthik here with my co-host Nathan. What's good Nathan?
1: What is up? Two week break um well deserved for for me at least I was kind of dealing with a little bit of an illness but we, we couldn't let Thanksgiving break go without at least getting an episode in for for all those waking up Wednesday morning ready to you know take in some basketball before Basically, the NFL has completely taken over the weekend, so ready to record and uh, and bounce around the league. I think a lot has changed since we last spoke. I was trying to record last week when we
0: were in the midst of our... The Kings were in the midst of a winning streak. They just lost by 36
1: last night, and now, of course, you want to record. That's why so. I'm available. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really want to dive into Pelicans Sacramento from last night. You know what's funny? It's like the last pod we did was like
0: right at the start of the season, and we're already... Almost at the end of the in-season tournament, it feels like...
1: I know there's still a couple weeks, but um,
0: in terms of the yeah, group, so let,
1: we're getting... Let's start with this in-season tournament. We, the, there is... The NBA wasn't kidding when they said they wanted to make this feel different without actually making it feel different. Like, we know these games are still regular season games, which I think is one of the smart things they did, right? So that players don't feel like this is any different from the way they would, you know, put effort and into a regular season game. However the courts uh made the courts different obviously you can very much tell tuesdays and fridays every game that's played on tuesdays and fridays from early november until uh, early december are in-season tournament games so tonight for example there's five or six games on the docket um they have these groups which are not divisions but sort of within your own conference which is a little confusing exactly how those are put together there's a couple like quote-unquote groups of death which is kind of cool and uh, I don't know. It's been competitive. Uh, we've had like multiple skirmishes during the in-season tournament, including I think the Draymond Green uh, play was from one for, from an in-season tournament game, right? Versus Minnesota. Yep. So uh, what, what are your thoughts on this overall process? You were a big fan of this. I think I was a cautiously optimistic fan. You, you, you were kind of riding high on the idea. So what do you think now three weeks into the experiment? I think it's been a
0: massive success. Now, the we'll have to see what the ratings look like, what viewership looks like. I believe that it's raw. The idea is raw. There are opportunities to improve that I'll get into. But I still think that, one, the courts, I think they work really well. Now, I'd say about 20% are eyesores. I don't think most of them are as bad as people talk about. People act like you can't watch. Like we're not all eighty-five year old like men, dude. Like we can watch uh, the game. None of us have eye problems. It's not like you can't watch basketball on these courts. People make it seem like you literally have to turn the TV off the moment you you watch. One Way of these
1: to be games. a sensory elitist there, jeez. Maybe some people are having trouble with this. No, I was sure. A very, I hated the courts. Like when they first came out, I was like, "This is." a complete travesty. Like, I don't understand why they need to change and mess with every element of the basketball experience all the time. It's like, they can't just sit still and just let one thing happen and say, okay, we're going to try it this way. They're like, Nope, we got to try 10 different things at once. So the courts, I was very much against to your point. It's not quite as bad as I imagined. Um, But some courts are still a disaster. Like the nuggets there's no need to put a bright yellow bar from baseline to baseline <laughs> in middle of your blue court. Like just you can make it gold, you can make it like a different shade of blue. You know, some of these courts like the Wizards for example is actually one of the more aesthetic ones. Yep. Like you it can still good, see it's, it's obviously a different experience, right? It's not the regular court, but it's not the only thing you're focusing on. Um you know, the Phoenix one was cool. The the Utah one was I don't know how I felt about that, but point being, they just yeah. need to make them. They can make them look different without it being the main thing that's drag, you know, drawing your eye attention. I think there's definitely some Stockholm syndrome with the courts because, like, I start the game like yeah. I don't really
0: like this. By the end of it, I'm like, dude, this is this is kind of nice. I can't even imagine dude, going back I'm to the brown
1: court. Yeah, I'm at the point where if it's not a, a orange court, I don't even want to watch the game. <laughs> exactly, it's like, it's pure Stockholm syndrome. That's the right um, way to put
0: it. But but I think and I think the one thing they messed up I think the biggest thing they messed up with is they tied this to the stupid city uh, edition jerseys like what they should have done is made this the team's core colors yep so at least there there's some continuity right like every year your in season tournament courts are like your standard team colors and it makes a lot of sense right instead you've got these weird color combos you've got Denver putting five two eight zero in the middle of the court because that's their city jersey. That's the part I think they didn't do right. And the other thing is, this was the perfect opportunity to make divisions matter in the NBA. They've completely stripped divisions of any meeting outside of scheduling. They, But this would actually foster in-season rivalries, would mean something. And these groups are fine, but they're just random. They change every year. And if Adam Silver really wants, or I'm assuming they're going to change every year, if Adam Silver wants us to have like continuity, have some tradition behind it, become something like the FA Cup and Premier League, why not tie it to divisions and make divisions of things? So I think that's those are the two areas they've messed up on. Yeah. Outside of that, the courts are doing the job. They're getting people talking. They signal what that it's a different game. And the players, now you can say they're being paid to say this or they're just kind of saying these comments, but Dame, Anthony Davis, uh, a lot of players, big profile players are saying the games do feel different and there's a little bit of extra oomph because of that 500k. So, overall, I think it's been a success so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think the money matters, but maybe, maybe it does for, like, the 15th men, and therefore they're playing for them. I'm not sure how much that's true or not, but, you know, I will say, like, they clearly have been competitive games. Like, some of the more fun games of the season have been the in-season tournament games. I don't know if that's just pure chance. It very much could be, right, because they have fun matchups and Nobody's paying attention to like the Orlando versus Chicago's of the world in the in-season tournament. Like Lakers-Suns was like an awesome game or like, you know, the Thunder have been involved in some awesome games. And so I I think it works because, and I think it's really going to work when we get into the knockout round because I think teams are going to be competitive and it's literally single elimination. Yeah. We need teams like uh, Ant, like Minnesota Timberwolves or the like Boston Celtics or even like some of these teams, like the Sacramento Kings, like dudes like who care, who care every night anyway, and then they're playing for something, I think it'll amp them up that much more. Like if we had the Kings and the T-Wolves in the knockout round, I think we'd see a lot more excitement than if you saw some of the old guard who, who who's kind of sitting there and it's like, yeah, we've been there, done that, not as excited about it. So I think it's going to be very matchup dependent, but I, I do think generally speaking, we're going to have competitive basketball throughout. So I actually think, so
0: I think it'll be the best if we get these exposure to these other teams, you know, like you said, the Wolves, the Kings, the ones who normally don't get that type of shine. But I have a feeling the first year, it might be better if a team like the Lakers or the Suns wins it, because you know that if a team like the Kings wins it, they're just going to get memed into oblivion Yeah, uh, for winning the in-season tourney. So. Part of me is like, hey, I, I want to win it, of course, but it wouldn't be the worst thing for, like, the Celtics or the Nuggets, like one of these teams that's already been defined as a contender. And You may be right. Then it, it actually provides some legitimacy to the the whole thing.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. It also brings the right amount of eyeballs to it. If, like, a true blood title contender, like if the Bucks go in and Giannis. I mean, first of all, have you seen the numbers Giannis has been putting up recently? Like, he is going on a war path after the Bucks you know, alleged slow start. Suddenly they're only a game behind Boston. But anyway, if a team like Milwaukee, like a true blue contender, true blood contender actually wins, then I think it'll give it notoriety like Giannis, who's been absolutely ridiculous this season, especially of late. He starts putting up monster games on the way to the title. That's going to be a lot of fun. So how does this work? There's going to be basically eight, six teams that qualify and then a two buys. And then, so basically three rounds of, of the actual tournament.
0: Yeah. I think that's pretty much how it works. Um, and the final game is the only extra game that's actually being played. Right. Uh, the other two games, they kind of work the schedules around who's playing each other in those games for that tournament. Yeah, um, they've left two
1: games of everyone's schedule open, right? To see yeah. where things shake out. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so uh, yeah, that'll be... I mean, it'll be interesting to see what it's like, that, that single game format, how much people will care. I think doing it in Vegas, that's the right move. Like, take it to a separate locations so it feels like something different the players feel like it's something different it's vegas they they like it you know so uh i i think it's good overall i i, I of course they got a tweak around the edges but you know one of the big criticisms was why don't they do this i think you might have mentioned this too is like later in the season that's the biggest um, thing that is the biggest thing this carries us until the end of football season almost which I think it's kind of the goal is how do you compete with football college football this time of the year when there's just so much sports going on. Um, and then January onwards, you kind of just coast on the fact that all-star game is coming up in Feb. And then after that, it's the final stretch. So I actually think the timing is okay, but maybe, maybe the scheduling I don't like about the games. Cause it's like Tuesdays and Fridays, I get it, but there was um, some teams haven't played like, any games and then some teams had already played two or three. So just trying to compare the standings and was yeah. was a little bit difficult. I think they have some kinks to work out there.
1: No, this is my exact issue. Why are we starting it early November? The season just got started. We're just learning about the teams. We're just getting into the flow. One of the things I was going to come on this pod and tell you is that every year I forget how much basketball is always on. Like I can't keep track. And this is still the time of the season where you're not sure who matters and who doesn't matter. Yeah. Right by like January, we won't have to watch half these teams or even talk about them. But yeah. right now, you're not sure like, is Orlando a real, you know, potential top A team? Is 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 um, you know, like is this Minnesota start real? Or are they going to fall behind? Are the Clippers actually do- like there's still things that we need to work out, but there's too much basketball onto also being paying attention to this new format. Like, if they just started it a month later and said, let's start at December one, where you have about five weeks of real basketball played, you're still competing against the NFL. You'll still wrap up early January before, you know, the NFL playoffs goes crazy and you'll still get your Christmas day. So I don't get why they've decided to start it basically at the start of the season because it feels like it's entirely too premature. And a lot of these rosters aren't really who they are yet.
0: So you're right. If they condense it, I think December is a better time to kind of have it going on. But, you know, to your point, I mean, sometimes it's it might be better that the teams aren't established. So this is kind of a way for a casual fan, something for them to kind of, you're going to be watching all 82 games, no matter what, we're always watching basketball. But for the casual fan who's not tuned into the NBA yet is usually like, I'm going to wait till Jan to really care. This might be an extra incentive. But, but to your point, I still think December, kind of centering it around December makes more sense than starting as early as first week of November, which is what we did.
1: I, yeah, I mean, they're always going to obviously move things around. If there's one thing that NBA won't do is sit still as we know. So I imagine they're going to tweak this to your point. I'm curious what the, like, what the like answers are in terms of TV ratings. And honestly, the, the other thing I think they could do a better job of is like, why is it still only the normal TV broadcast? If they want this thing to matter, like, why is it still just the two TNT games or two ESPN games? Like all of it needs to be on, like, this is what you create the red zone channel for. Right you can do this where you stagger the games every 30 minutes or whatever it is, starting from, you know, 5.00 PM Eastern, all the way to 10 PM Eastern. And you can, you can do this exact format that you've talked about. You wouldn't want to do it for the entire season, but this is your perfect sandbox to try things like that. Make them all televised. Can you imagine like red zone with three or four different games ending? Like that's, that would be epic. Like it wouldn't exactly work like the NFL because it's so many possessions and back and forth, but with the stagger, you can sort of finish and end each game as it happens and then that way everyone sees like they're watching the, the the tournament like tonight if i want to watch it's just a normal night of tv i have the lakers game you know if you don't have league pass obviously but if you know if you have the lakers game and then you have whatever the first game is and that's it
0: yeah if you remember we when we talked about uh, i talked about a while ago um you know why can't the nba be like the nfl and we talked about the fact that well 82 versus 16 games is one but what is just that the nfl owns sunday and the NBA, you know, if they had all their games on two days and they're happening simultaneously, it, it's kind of exciting to have that because that's what's so exciting about football. It's all kind of centered around this one time period, and you can kind of plan around that. I think with the in-season tournament, they're moving in the right direction. Tuesday, Friday, they're aligning to those days. But you're absolutely right. Put all the games at the same time or stagger like March Madness and make it a big spectacle. Um, it's, it's too hard to kind of plan for. It's still unclear when, what games are when, um, and then if they have this, you know, eventually Netflix, there's rumors that Netflix would potentially get into sports and then go after like, you know, this could be an entry point for them. Like Netflix hosts the in-season tournament. Uh, that might be great. I mean, not necessarily Netflix cause not many, I mean, I think everyone has Netflix, but still it's not as pervasive maybe as ESPN might still be. Um, or They would blow it out. They would do this right. But they would do it right, and then it would feel like something really unique and different. Um, So, yeah, I agree. There's opportunities to improve. We know they're going to tinker. I think it's a good first iteration and it's worked much better than people could have imagined. But, of course, we'll have to see when we actually get to the single elimination. But right now, like I was watching the Kings game last week, um, and they're playing the... uh, Oh my god, I'm blanking. Who was on our um the spurs and i we, we were about to win the game but they were gunning at the end to get extra points because Minnesota's right tied with them in the standings and had a higher point differential and so i think these last couple of games it'll be very interesting because there's only five games, four games total you have a lot of tiebreakers involved and a lot of point differential kind of math involved
1: which yeah, is going to be exciting, and these teams are
0: going to be gunning at the end of, of these four. Do you quarters. like that? I think we need
1: more games.
0: No, I, I like it for now. Like keep it small. If if it's super successful, we can improve it. But it, it gives a little bit We're of, gonna of go a March through all Madness trouble
1: field. of these aquamarine courts and shit, and just have four games and all Dude, these tiebreakers being point differential.
0: Why why is March Madness so fun? You throw an element of randomness, right? When it's like a six game, or seven game, whatever tournament. You are going to get upsets. You are going to have some good teams fall off. So similar concept where a team can go, a good team can go two and two, and all of a sudden they're not in the tournament anymore. And so I like the randomness that it brings. If you do 10 games, all the best teams are going to continue to
1: kind of win out. I think that, um, okay, I, I think it's fine. The question I would have then is, should we make the actual tournament a little longer? Like, if you're the one seed, quote-unquote, or I don't even know how they're going to determine who's the one seed, right? Because there's six winners. It's just the top two. Point differential, differential, probably. Yeah. Okay, so let's just say it's Celtics, and it's, you know, um, I think uh, the Kings are actually undefeated. So let's say it's Celtics, Kings are the two ones. Like, you'd only have to win two games to win it.
0: I know, but that's why it's fun, man. It's, it's not even about, like... It doesn't have to be the most legitimate, legitimate title where you've played 20 games to win it. it. It has to be just enough games, which is four in a group tournament and a couple single elimination to crown the winner. Like I think that's actually, it makes a lot of sense.
1: Um, the other thing I was thinking, you mentioned the, 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 the divisions and they could just keep the divisions. If they're not going to do that and they want to mix it up, then they should just mix it up league wide. Like why not? Why is this? It's like why are you subject to just your own conference? You might as well just do it all over the all of the NBA. That would be sweet. Absolutely agree. They went this weird halfway route. Like if you're gonna do that,
0: just mix it up so then we see more interconference matchups that we uh, don't, or intraconference matchups that we normally don't get. I agree. They they messed that one up. Yeah, I think they'll fix that though.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. They can always course correct. Um, hopefully they're listening to this pod and coming up with these ideas as their own. And and we'll go from there. But All right. So in season tournament has been, I think net positive overall, good, some, some tweaks, some other ideas for next year, but I'm really curious to see when we get into actual, um, you know, I think most teams have one to two games left. So really, I think they're playing the, the Vegas tournament first or second week in December. So that'll, that'll be when, when things are actually different and fun and, We'll see how things go and how competitive it will be. But early signs are promising. Um, okay, let's go ahead and bounce around the league. Um, maybe early thoughts. What, what is your, what's whats your what been a broad takeaway from you so far around, you know, we're about 10 to 15 games in. Most teams are kind of in that 13-ish mark. Uh, so starting to emerge some clear leaders in both conferences, some clear dregs in both conferences. So what have been your early takeaways on the season thus far?
0: I mean, I think the the surprises obviously Minnesota and OKC have gotten off to roaring starts, and everyone thought those teams would be much better this year, but they look like I mean OKC maybe a little bit less, but Minnesota looks like a legitimate contender. Um, I think Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Philly's been better than than advertised, uh, and Milwaukee, despite their defense struggling. Um, and them having some up and downs with Dame, they're still, they're still good. And like you mentioned, Giannis has been tearing it up. Um, and then all the young teams, man, I think Houston's probably the biggest surprise in terms of what they've been able to do early on. They've had some big wins. Udoka has clearly changed their defensive approach uh, to the game. Uh, so that one stood out to me. And then on, you know, the East, definitely the Wizards are worse than I thought but uh detroit is also i thought they were going to be bad but they look kind of really hopeless so i think looking at the top and bottom those are some of the teams that stood out how about you yeah i
1: think one big thing for me is i just feel like the whether it's the player participation program or it's other mechanisms or it's load management dialing back like how scientific it is it just feels like guys are playing more um you know, you look at Kawhi and AD and Zion and some of the guys that, you know, rest a lot, uh, even a Durant, um, LeBron, like these dudes, staff. as long as they're healthy, they're playing. Um, you know, the younger guys, of course, the Lucas, the Tatums of the world, they're there every night. And, and it's just kind of refreshing to feel like every time I watch the Clippers, I'm going to see their four guys, right? Or every time I watch the Pelicans short of injuries here and there that are obviously going to happen, especially Pelicans may be a bad example, but I'm going to see their guys like even a team like, you know, OKC backs of backs. They're all playing. They're all there. And I think that that's made the league more enjoyable. You know, Jimmy Butler, who, who is notorious for sitting out right of the 14 games. I mean, he's played 12 of them and Bams played 13. And so, that gives you a level of I think quality generally night to night that you didn't always have when when guys were just kind of missing games left and right and I really enjoy that about the league this season I don't know if it's just early and this is always how it goes before we start to see the rest or if any of the measures that they put in which are pretty strict are starting to take effect but that's a that's a broad point that I think uh, that I think I wanted to call out.
0: Yeah, I still don't know what it is. If it is the the new procedures and kind of rules they've put in place, or if it's just simply that a lot of these teams are kind of in make it or break it mode, right? There, um, the Clippers are like that. The Lakers know they're getting older, so AD and LeBron are playing big minutes. Um, uh, you know, th- I think a lot of these teams don't have. They know they don't have the luxury this year of sitting guys out early. I hope it's it's a result of that policy. I'm not sure that that's necessarily what's driving it, but either way, it's a positive outcome. I think every night there's great matchups,
1: a lot of young talent, uh, and dude, there's so many players. Like literally, like you. I mean, even like a team like the Hawks, they're uneven, but then they have like Trey Young, they have Dejounte Murray, they have like. Jalen Johnson's playing well. DeAndre Hunter's playing well. Like so many guys are across these rosters. It's hard to keep track of all the young talent, even on a roster. Like you mentioned Houston, like Cam Whitmore and, and Amen Thompson. And these guys can't even sniff the court because of how many, how many guys they have in front of them. And that was a bad team until this year.
0: Yeah. 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 Like even the young guys are fighting for time. Jaden Ivey got moved to the bench and he was seen as, you know, a top prospect last year and he's been very promising. So even these, these young players, aren't, they're struggling to get minutes because there's just so many other guys to compete with. Um yeah. But but overall, man, it, it's in a good, I think the, the league's in a good place. I think now we're seeing, now's where the schedule, like we always talk about 20 game is, is where you start to see some things normalize. Yep. I think we're starting to see some inklings of that. The trends, like some teams got up to horrible starts. They're kind of fighting their way back. Some teams also got up to super hot starts. And have fallen down a little bit. So in Phoenix, as we know, you know they got it to a rough start, but they've been dealing with injuries. Durant's been amazing, Um, but I don't know. Where do you want to start? Like what what team or what uh, player do you want to kind of discuss first?
1: Let's start with okay. I'm gonna pick. I want to start in the East. um, Maybe with the Miami Heat. Who are nine and five? They, you know, generally speaking, were thought to maybe take a step back this year. Uh, when you think about losing two starters in 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 uh, Max Truce and in Gabe Vincent, didn't really replace them without other than you know guys coming stepping up into bigger roles and missed out on Dame Lillard. I think the biggest thing with me and, and unfortunately a lot of their wins recently have come with Tyler here on the bench. I don't know what this continually says, but after the Finals run, it wasn't that this was a fluky team. Like they went to two Finals in 4 years. They were shot away from a third in in you know, in the year the Celtics made it, but something about them always felt like they were lacking a little bit in the regular season. And now when you look at them, you have kind of a pretty bonafide three-headed monster with Bam Hero and Butler. And the biggest thing for me is Bam Adebayo is finally stepping up into a night to night consistent offensive player in a way that we've all wanted him to do. We've all begged him to sort of be that guy, and he just hasn't been. And so the fact that he's turning into a dude who's averaging, you know, 23 and 10, he's been an eraser on defense. Uh, he, he's allowed Jimmy Butler to not have to play quite as heavy of a role offensively as he typically does. And I think that's done wonders for this team and the balance because. Then it allows guys like Hami Haquez, your boy from UCLA, some other dudes, Haywood Heisman, some some of these guys who are like really nobodies to come in and play off of the stars and be comfortable in their role, even a Duncan Robinson who's having a career year. So I just, again, I mean, this is old hat, but I just love the way Miami's playing. And Spolster's got them, you know, really succeeding, despite the fact that talent wise, you may not say that they're up there with the Phillies and Milwaukee's and Boston's of the world.
0: Yeah, they've they've definitely been much stronger than I mean I we, I think we both had the over. Did you have the over? I had the under, I think. Oh, I had the over. So maybe it was only you who doubted them. No, but I, I honestly did not expect this from them. Um, you know, Duncan Robinson has been revelation. I think since uh Hero got injured in six games as a starter, he's averaged twenty-four and four on wow. 50-49-94 splits. Um six games, small sample size, but I think he's you know, there was a point early last year, right, where he seemed like he was kind of he was out of the rotation, did not seem to really fit that team anymore. They had Struess and Vincent and enough shooters that they could survive without Duncan. Now he's kind of he's been really good in the minutes he's been playing. So that's another element to their offense. As you mentioned, Bam has been so much more aggressive, even late game, I think last year even the games he'd have 20 25 it felt like it would come early and then that some of that aggressiveness would disappear. Yep. Um I feel like he's done a much better job of carrying it through the entire game. And um and yeah, this team is still one that mainly makes their bones on defense and Hame Hakas as you mentioned. So good. So good he's defensively, good, man. man. He's like he's just smart cuz he's athletically very limited but and he's not super long, but he's a big guy. He's six, nine um, as size can move along. And and I think his one-on-one, there are some stats I saw before his one-on-one kind of defense um, has been pretty stingy. So they've got a given. That's a later pick given. That's a, you know, limited ceiling player. He's been playing some, some good minutes for them as well. So Classic lots of like
1: pick, right. As always. Yeah. Um, I, I guess one question I have is like, when you think about Miami, they're still only 15th in net rating. They still are 17th in offense. Um, so there's work to be done. What would you do if you're them? Do you sit and just kind of let your defense and your basically your veteran experience kind of kick in, and you know, come playoff time, nobody's going to be able to mess with Bam and Jimmy and these guys? Or do you go get like a Zach Levine or you know someone of that caliber, maybe even? OG Nanobi or just a third piece I mean it's the same like four names that every team is circling around but like how do you think about roster building this season because I mean Jimmy's 34 Kyle Lowry is maybe you know he's a fringe player but he's still averaging 29 minutes a game he's 37 like at some point you need a little bit more juice off the bench and I don't know come playoff time can you count on the same guys that you're looking at for minutes now
0: yeah, I, I'm not sure because any trade you do make, you're going to have to sacrifice some depth, which is already a challenge for them. And I don't know if adding Levine or Ananobi is going to fundamentally change them that much. I I think they'll will be shopping, they'll be aggressive, but honestly for them, if you're in this... Miami only cares about being in a good enough position in the postseason and they'll figure it out. They've beaten Milwaukee in the postseason. They've beaten Boston. They're not scared of any team. Um, they've beaten Philly, I think. Maybe not, yeah. but... The, but, like, I don't, I don't think play play scares them. Too, yeah, yeah. But, um, I think for them, the, the issue has always been can they stay afloat in the regular season and not have to go through the play in or enter as an eight seed and have to face this gauntlet of teams like they traditionally do? Uh, and I think right now they're showing that they're trending upwards, they started slowly, and so I think they'll only get better. Um, but I don't know. They'll hop, they will be aggressive. I just don't think that there's an obvious move out there for them. Especially yeah. after they missed out on Harden. And that might have been a blessing in disguise, honestly. Uh, sorry, not Harden. Lillard. I don't
1: think they missed out on him. On uh oh, you mean Dame.
0: Dame they might have it might have worked out, but they would have parted away with with um Hero, a bunch of other picks, and defensively we're already seeing what Dame is costing Milwaukee. I'm sure they'll figure it out, but
1: um you know, there's a trade off there, so I think they're fine. I do feel bad that Heroes having a career season pretty much tops in a lot of different stats for him. And when they when he was in, they were they were sort of five hundred, and they've taken yeah. taken off since he stepped off. So again, they went to the finals without him last year. So people were saying, "Well, that's kind of addition by subtraction." I don't know that I agree with that because I feel like he's played well. It just may be chance and small sample size, but it's starting to become enough evidence that's hard to ignore. Yeah, I still think they're a better team with him than without him,
0: but clearly there's something that works in those minutes. <laughs> He's not on the floor. They just they are able to survive and it's not the biggest loss in the world. So Yeah. I don't know.
1: All right. So Miami nine and five. We'll keep an eye on them. Next up, how about um should we talk about the Bucks at all? Because they look like they were showing some cracks in the armor. They're ten and four now. Maybe just quickly on them. You know they are still pretty bad defensively. They're twenty second, um, which, if you watch them, is really evident. Like you can get to one twenty very easily on them. Shit, the Wizards put one twenty nine on them in a loss. Uh, granted, they gave up one forty two, but neither here nor there. Um, and they're fourth in offense. And Giannis has been going gangbusters of late. They're still third and uh, eighth in net rating, so it's it's still got the nucleus of a championship contender. But it's quite interesting to see this. Um, evolution from kind of a stingy defense who don't allow threes who don't you know allow shots at the rim and suddenly it feels like you can go right by them on the perimeter you know they're starting to get a little bit better defensively but brook and Giannis just isn't the same wall that it was last season yet you know you look up and they're 10 and 4 and that's without you know a lot of consistency from from dame so far
0: yeah i actually look at it it's kind of promising how well they've been able to do despite some of the challenges. I mean, if you look at Giannis and Dame's minutes on the floor, I think in two forty-seven minutes, I'm reading they they're minus three point four per hundred possessions, so they're a net negative team with both of them on the floor, which we know that's that will not be the case. Um, they'll figure it out. And for all their defensive issues, uh, the fact that they're one game behind Boston, who is like a juggernaut. Now, granted. You know, maybe they've they've had a weaker schedule and they should be uh, this good. It's, it was expected. I still think that they're they're fine for now. The worrisome part is, you know, you look at Middleton, you look at Lopez, and I'm worried about these guys in the postseason because already the age is starting to show with this roster. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how that'll carry into the postseason.
1: Yeah, look, I think I'm actually a little bit more worried about this team than than you might be because, yes, you can mow down some of the dregs of the, the, the you know, the Eastern Conference with Giannis just being crazy. Like last night, I think he was 20 of 23. The issue with me is like how do you go guard the Tatums and Jalen Browns of the world? Like I just or the Tyrese Max, he's like, I don't see how that gets better with, like you said, with an old Chris Middleton, with Malik Beasley and Dame Lillard as your backcourt. I mean, Beasley was a minimum signing who barely played for the Lakers, couldn't even crack their playoff rotation because of his defense. And then you pair him with the 33-year-old Dame Lillard who's historically been a bad defensive point guard and guess what, isn't getting worse, better. Um, and so I'm just looking at it like, is this even a workable solution as crazy as Giannis has been of late? Um, and, you know, if you're not getting from Chris Middleton sort of like what you expected offensively, Dame will eventually figure himself out. Like you said, I don't ex- I don't think their net rating is going to be negative by year-end, the two-man game. But with him taking time to settle in, they're going to be fine offensively. But defensively, how do you get stops? I still think that's going to be a big issue the whole year. And maybe I kind of underappreciated that when I made them my finals pick.
0: Yeah, but I, they do have to figure a lot of things out. We have to remember, new coach, very different look on, on the floor with Dame now. So I'm willing to give them more time, but you're right. It is bad. When the Wizards are putting up that kind of, you know, 129 points on you and they were in that game, it's not a good sign, especially when the game before that was the Mavs and you gave up 125. Uh or no, 132 or 125, yeah. Um and you know, you just all these teams are just putting up points on points. So we'll yeah, see. If you
1: give up 129 while Jordan Poole is running the clock down 20. It's not a good <laughs> sign. Yeah. That's fair. Can we maybe do like a rules refresher with him? Um, maybe just pull him to the side and kind of just explain, you know, not just rules of the league, but just general decorum. Like don't throw off the glass alley-oops when you're getting blown out and don't blow kisses when you're down by a trillion points and stop shooting when you're like one of 18 in a game. Like there's just general decorum, things like that. Maybe we can cover. I don't know if they mentioned it in orientation, but that might, might be Dude. helpful for him.
0: I I am just blown away by how, how unhinged he is. Like, everyone knew he's going to get free reign in Washington. He's always been a player that kind of just plays it fast and loose, if I'm being polite about it. Um, but this is ridiculous. Like, what he's doing, and obviously, you're referring to that, the, sh- the running the clock while he rolled the ball down yeah, he the court and they're the down. Ball.
1: It's just I, idiot. I,
0: I don't. Uh, and, you know, that to me, I think, who's. Wes Unsell Jr.
1: is a coach? Yeah,
0: I Dude, mean, what if, is he doing? In, in the lightest
1: and, terms possible, coach.
0: Yeah, is is it just another like um, Paul Siles Jr. situation where... Exactly, yep. There's, you know it's kind of a lame duck job in some sense. It's, you're not trying to win. The young guys know that, and so they're just getting their own is that what's happening i think
1: it is like that except it's even worse in that i don't know that the team acknowledges that it's like <laughs> that like i I think we think that but as as innocent bystanders but i'm not sure the team is aware danny omnia is out pl- uh pleading for warrior fans or
0: sorry wizards fans to chant go dc instead of go Knicks." You see honestly that?
1: we might as well plead for warriors fans to do that because they're <laughs> the only ones in the stadium so it would make a lot more sense for the warriors fans to do that it's a train wreck of epic proportions i mean I am patient with the new front office, right? But, my God, we are – the only thing that's keeping me – allowing me to sleep at night is that we're not paying Bradley Beal $200 million in the next four years hey, to to you know, heal his injured back. That's the only thing that's keeping me going. And Bilal is nice. Bilal's is comedian. Bilal good. is nice. Bilal could be somebody if he gets away from Jordan Poole ASAP. Yes, he could be somebody. So, while we're on the topic of the Wizards, I – I would love to go after Avdia. Yeah, I mean, he's under a really reasonable contract. He just signed the four for 55 extension, which, you know, in today's NBA is really not that bad, right?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, He is a good defender. I wouldn't say he's great because I feel like he's not as shifty as like a Jaden McDaniels kind of type defender. But not a complete liability. No, he's good. He's a good defender. He's just oh, not like okay. elite Even defender. above average? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. He's he's one of the best. He was graded as one of the best perimeter defenders in the league last year. But I'm saying he succeeds more against bigger wing forward types than he would against like slinkier sort of two, three guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he is a shooting sort of – that's his big, big kind of issue is like how consistent can he get with the shot. It's looked better this season. He's gonna be, he's gonna make a lot of sense for some contender on a cheap contract, but yeah, I mean, look he he's he's a pretty reasonable trade candidate at some point, but they just signed him, so I don't know if they want to like keep him and have him wait out this current administration of Poole and Kuzma, and then uh, maybe be part of whatever the next version of this team is.
0: Yeah, he seems like an asset you might want to keep, especially with that contract now and the way he's been playing. But he's one of those guys I love as a Harrison Barnes upgrade um you know and hey he the Kings get the hell out of town too the, though the kings have always had foreign shooters so i'd love to get another well
1: one. he definitely is foreign i don't know how much shooting he's been doing but he is certainly foreign he he's gotten a little bit better i mean if you look at his numbers this year he's actually shooting the ball well but it's on small yeah. sample and never really before in his career has that happened so jury is very much out
0: Shooting forty percent from three this year. That's I know,
1: I know, at. but I—I I, I yeah, he's can't been horrible throughout. Yeah, right. It might be fool's gold. Yeah. So, there's um, the more time do. of the Wizards I
0: wanted to spend, but
1: yeah. So, huh? Let's bounce to your team quickly. The Kings were in the news yesterday as potentially being all in on. Well, I wouldn't say all in. They are in on pursuing a star at the deadline, whether that's Ananobi, Siakam, or Levine. Like I mentioned, those are the holy trinity that everyone keeps naming. We argue about this over text, but would you do anything, or would you just sit back and see how the season goes?
0: I think um, I definitely think we need to upgrade the four position, the three slash four um, Barnes, and and get go after a defensive wing for sure. So Ananobi Siakam, they raise the ceiling of this team substantially. Uh, I think where I'm at is I want the Kings to be opportunistic, and if there's a good deal, if we can just part with. Mitchell herder, some picks, um, not willing to throw Keegan into a deal, not willing to to really shake things up that much. I'm not even willing to throw Malik Monk into a deal. Um, he's not a great asset anyways. his contract isn't that big, but he uh, I am very protective of this roster and I, I still believe that, you know, for all the p- people talking about the first round exit last year, we've look, we were a good team last year. We've improved defensively this year. The offense is getting back to where it was a season ago. We started off a little bit slow with Fox injured. And Fox has taken another leap. Sabonis is playing even better than last year. So I think we have enough to actually uh, run it one more year and not make a panic trade and see how can we make it to the second round? How good is this team really in the playoffs? And then reevaluate in the offseason. So so my stance is be opportunistic, but I don't think we need to make a panic trade just because we're worried about you know the top of the West.
1: I think that's fair. Um, I think that as long as that's the takeaway, that's okay. If you think you can go get a Siakam without including a Keegan Murray, that's where I, I think I you lose me. So as long as you say, okay, we are going to openly pass on this guy because we don't have the goods. If we don't put um, you know Keegan on the table, then that's fine. You can see what it is and not rush it and. I do think Siakam's time frame, assuming he resigns, isn't that much later or, or sort of shorter than Sabonis. I know he's a couple years older, but he hasn't really had any history, injury history. He's been pretty durable for the course of his career, so I would imagine that's not going to be that much of an uh, injury risk. It would just be a resigning risk, which you know usually you wouldn't make that deal without some some type of assurances beforehand.
0: Well, yeah, well that I mean that's a big risk, right? And he's openly said he won't sign with
1: another team if he's traded. So if he said that and he's going to stick with it, then I would not make a move for him. Well, I he's stuck with it so far. Right. And, and well, I not been traded.
0: Yeah, but he's, he publicly said that. Right. And he's not opening, like he's not welcoming a trade somewhere and saying that he's, he's willing to sign. So anyways, and, and we know that the, the Raptors let Van Vliet walk. Maybe they'll just play it out. Like they're they seem why content. They, why do they, why do they keep doing that? I, they've let I, a lot of guys walk. I don't know, maybe it's false. Like, maybe they think that they can re-sign him and bring him back, and it's just a false confidence. I don't know.
1: Like, they let Kawhi walk, which is fine. They won the title. Then they let Gasol walk. They let Ibaka walk. They let Kyle Lowry walk. Now Van Bleet. And now they have, potentially, Ananobi and Siakam coming up, and those guys could easily go. I I just don't understand what the point is. Like, they've just kind of... (laughs) They've had this like brain drain over the course since they won the title that just trickles out each year and they don't seem to have a plan that is turning things around or picks a lane or does anything.
0: I I don't get it either, but the fact that they've done it been willing to do it for so many years makes me think that they're not gonna panic trade Siakam either. So would not be surprised um if if he's just walks away in free agency. But, you know, coming back to the Kings, I think the reason we don't want to part with Keegan, as long as Monty McNair hangs up the phone, anyone asks for Keegan. And I know everyone jokes like, oh, Keegan, what is he? Like, well, you act like he's untouchable. The thing is, the best version of Keegan was always going to be a 20 point per game plus scorer who's locked down on defense, a 3 and D wing. Like, that is ideal for his career. And guess what? Last year, he showed that the shooting and early signs from some of his offensive game, he can be a 20 point per game guy eventually he's not there yet and there's enough early returns on his defense this year that i think he can be that defensive player so if you've got him on a cost controlled it's a cost controlled asset rookie contract is only getting better why replace him with another three and d wing who's much older and yes lifts the ceiling of your team but keegan might get there in a couple years so i think any trade would have to not include him and it only if the raptors get desperate because let's face it they don't have a lot of leverage and with Siakam going to walk in the free agency, maybe they do settle for a
1: couple of picks, Mitchell, Herder, and whatever you want to throw in there. I, from a talent standpoint, putting contracts aside, I would not trade Keegan in a Ananobi deal. Regardless, like I just think Ananobi's very overrated, and, like, and he's not lifting got, your ceiling up
0: that much. We've gotten to the, the point where like up.
1: the idea of him has like surpassed any of the real version of him that plays basketball. <laughs> Yeah, And so I'm tired of the Ananobi talk of like, all right, this is the guy, three first rounders. No, not good enough. Four first rounders. Not good enough. Like clearly these guys are just playing chicken and nobody's biting. Mm-hmm. Siakam, I do consider to be a different type of player. And again, the contract thing is probably enough to scare away like anybody from making a real push. Now, I don't know. He is like, I mean, as far as like fanfare of stars, he's probably on the lower end. So would he be okay with staying in Sacramento? on the surface, it would appear maybe more so than like a big name star, but it's tough to make that. It's a big risk to take. I get that without any level of assurances, which it seems like he hasn't going to give you. And then Levine, I don't think Levine makes any sense um, for for Sacramento. I just, he doesn't really add to where they have a weakness. And I think as much as he's a good shot creator, I mean, they had the number one offense in the league last year, like you said, they're kind of trying trending back that direction this year so i don't see what he's gonna add that's you know
0: and late game shot creation has not been our issue because we have fox and even malik monk as he showed in the playoffs last year very good at that so it's not lifting our ceiling enough to pay him 40 million
1: a year <coughs> yeah i agree i mean they actually the only reason that i think they were rumored is because they were the ones that gave him the offer sheet right yeah and he, he's well he welcomed sacramento he said that so but that was a different version of the team. I mean, it made sense for that version. It doesn't really for this one.
0: Well, yeah, and that was a different front office as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, I was, the whole point is if, 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 if Vivek was enamored, and you know, he's still <laughs> he's still hurting after the World Cup loss. I think we all are. He's trying to make us flash, <laughs> make us forget about how we couldn't get uh, – what's that guy's name? Oh, my God. We couldn't get him out for like 300 overs in a row. It was insane. You're um, asking the wrong guy. Did you not watch <laughs> – I did not know. See, this is the know. problem with Pacific time. It was on at like midnight. It started. The match started at twelve thirty a.m. Pacific. Oh, time. the
0: one time it's inconvenient for Pacific compared to yeah, I mean, it's still uh, inconvenient the for you. One time,
1: it's called the Cricket World Cup. Like five billion people probably watched, except you. Yeah, but
0: all everyone I knew watched it, and the time didn't stop them. I just didn't watch because I wasn't that interested. I mean, I, I wanted them to win, but I
1: didn't want. Apparently to Apparently, not and watch that the hard. <laughs> We lost. It was bad. I
0: know. I know what happened. With the it's like the 07 Patriots. Whatever. It tells me. Just smoking it everyone on the way to the final and then losing.
1: That's true. However, Australia is like the world power of cricket. So in some ways, yes, but it's not like the you know the giants were kind of upstart a little bit. But you know maybe this iteration maybe, of those teams. That's maybe
0: seventy three nine Warriors You still go up against LeBron and you know yeah it's understandable. That's it.
1: That's it. That's probably the one Um, we've, we've actually had some choke jobs. We won in 2011 and we've had some pretty big choke jobs since then. So um, we're turning into not the type of legacy, you know, (laughs) team that you want to see just with the, and I didn't realize this, but there's a lot of captain's choices in terms of field assignments and all this and that. So the guy, as soon as you lose, the captains get absolutely flamed, Mm. Um, which is kind of funny because they're players. They're not like the coach. I don't yeah. even know if they have coaches. Um, interesting. Anyway, so back to the NBA and Vivek and acquiring Zach Levine as a coping mechanism. Um, <laughs> no, so the other team I was going to talk about in the West, because uh, looking at the standings, like three of the – really four of the top five teams currently are what I would call like on the younger side, Minnesota at one, OKC, Dallas, Sacramento, and then you have, of course, Denver at two. Who's looked a little shaky and I would call that more bored than anything of late. <laughs> and they also yeah. don't have Jamal Murray. But let's talk about OKC for a second, because this squad, I know, you know, I was really high on them preseason. Uh, I think you 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 look at just the talent and you aren't sure the big question was after SGA, who's gonna step up? I mean, SGA's kind of come back to his first team all NBA form. He looks every bit as good as he did last year, probably even better shooting the better ball better from 3 and he's doing everything defensively. I mean, he's been an absolute menace on that end. Then you have Jalen Williams who's taken a big step, Chet Holmgren who looks freaking awesome as a rookie, 50-40 56-46 40, 91 right now shooting splits. Yeah. Um and not on small volume either, which is the crazy thing. Um and then you have guys like Dort and Giddy playing roles that are really critical and it's even even a guy like Cason Wallace coming off the bench as a rookie has looked awesome. So what do you make of this OKC team? I mean, no shortage of assets as we've talked about ad nauseum. And they already look like they're primed to, you know, make it in the top six in the West.
0: Yeah, I was wrong about them, right? I was definitely lower on OKC thinking that this roster, the ceiling still wasn't <laughs> high enough. But they've been smoking teams, man. Like, their net rating is... They're 7th in offense, 4th in defense. Like So this is, I I mean, I think the defense is a little bit of fool's gold right now, but um, they are just destroying teams and dominating these games. So it's not even a fluke record that they've jumped out to. I mean, I think Chet's the big story. I picked him for rookie of the year. I thought he'd be good, but he's been even better than I thought. And I think the efficiency with how he's scoring, the ease at which he's scoring to me is what stands out the most. Um, and obviously he had that kind of game against the Warriors in which really put it all together. Um, I I do think, you know, it's similar to Sacramento. It's like everyone, and I was one of the people who said, what are they doing with all these picks? What are they doing with all these picks? Um, you know, why don't you make a move? I don't think they need to rush to make a move, but given the number of picks they have, they can work on the fringes, like get a couple of other role players, uh, lift kind of, the floor of your team a little bit, because I think they're going to run into some tough stretches. I They're good, but they're not this good. So I think they'll come back down to earth a little bit, but start using some of these picks to at least get a little bit more depth. And I think Giddy, you don't have to trade him now, but I think Giddy becomes the most, the star of any package that you want to deal with um, yeah. uh, with picks, right? As you want to make a bigger move, because while he's really good, I think he's the asset you are totally comfortable with parting and can still net you a pretty good return.
1: Yeah, I love Giddy, so I would be all over that if there's an opportunity to go get him for a lightly used I mean, Kyle Kuzma He could fit
0: movie. into any team.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kyle um, and Kuzma. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, look, they basically smash any small team that they play because they can just play small ball better than anybody else right now and then they get destroyed by anyone with size, right? So if yeah, they, go they can't Lakers, rebound. Yeah, at all. And it makes sense. Like, they're playing Chet at center. They have Jalen Williams slash Dort at kind of that 3-4. Both of those guys are probably traditional small forwards. And they don't really have a ton of size coming off the bench. Um, now, I don't know that – I'm curious what they would do because if they like the Chet at center idea and you do end up using a Giddy to, to trade someone, do you go get a center or do you go get a wing like a Siakam, right? like I think a wing. That, that's the question. Like, do you want to maintain center centers like the identity of your team? And it sounds like they do. And I think it does make a lot of sense, especially when he's shooting the ball this way and looks as awesome as he has. Uh, you picked him for rookie of the year. I mean, he is still plus odds uh, versus Wemby, but I mean, early season returns would indicate he is coasting to that award right right now, at least. Um, I think yeah, play wise, he should be a runaway, but
0: um, and I team think... success, they, he'll when... have
1: both of those factors.
0: Yeah, Wemby's still flashed a lot and has a big enough name that he's probably at the top, but yeah, I think by the end of it, Chet could easily
1: win. And they're going to be good, right? They're going to be in contention, so. Yeah, exactly. I just think they're a lot of fun. I mean, SGA is a wizard. The thing is, the thing is like with OKC, they have all these picks coming. They can't make them all. At some point they'll have to consolidate, but the rest of the league knows that too. So what'll end up probably happening is they don't quite get as good a value as you would have if you didn't have that war chest and you're just lording it over everyone's heads. And, you know, they don't seem like they care to make a move this year. I think if they make the playoffs, which it looks like they will, there's certainly less pressure from SGA to be like, all right, let's put a contender around me because they kind of have one that's developing into that. And he's going to wait this whole year before he does anything. I, I don't know who that guy is, like, Thunder fans will tell you, like, this is the Embiid team, right? You throw, like, 20 picks at them and Giddy and just call it a day. If, But, you know, Philly is clearly dominant right now, and that doesn't seem to be falling yeah, apart. But that's not gonna aside happen. from that, I don't know who else is, like, the next guy that would make a lot of sense for this roster. Like, sure, you could go add, like, a Tier 2 star, maybe even, like, a cat. But, you know, I think they like what they're doing. And for, for yeah, now, I mean, it may, may not make that much sense to go, go – upend it all for, for someone else.
0: It's the same logic I use with the Kings. Uh, you like what you're doing. It's with a young roster. You're still on an upward path. There's no need to panic and make a trade just so you can kind of lift yourself into higher contention. Uh, but I, I do think given the so many picks, get a guy, shore up the roster a little yeah. bit, get a vet who can come off the bench or play the, you know, the fifth starter. Um, they like the roster right now no no harm in trying to adding more depth and getting ready for the playoffs but yeah the big swing i don't think comes this year i agree
1: yeah um but when they want it they you know the big question the other the other thing that i think is interesting with them and maybe similar with the kings is if you're not looking like do you think the kings have their number 1 and number 2 or do you think the so, bonus is really like a 3
0: i think we have our number 1 and number 2 okay Uh, For title
1: contention.
0: Yeah, and look, you have to separate two things. Title contention and title winning, right? The teams that have won the title, think about the last, whatever, 10 years. Who have they had? Uh, Steph?
1: Yeah, it's um, like four guys.
0: Giannis? LeBron? Right? These are like generational talents, and we're never going to get that. So take away title winning. Now, title contention means can you be in the Western Conference Finals? I absolutely think a team with Fox and Sabonis as your pillars, and then you need a very good three and four because you don't have like that dominant superstar one. Keegan hopefully fills into that three or four, and you go and get the other guy via trade. And I think that roster is good enough for contention.
1: Yeah. So that to me is a question, right? Because if you think of... So you're going to hate me, but I would consider the ceiling... I would consider SGA better than Fox...
0: That's And
1: fine. clearly Sabonis is better than uh, Chet today, but I would consider Chet's ceiling higher than Sabonis. Yep. Yep. Um, so true. I'd say there's more likely that Thunder have a true one-two. Again, to your point, may not be to win the title because that's like an inner circle of like five guys, but let's call it to get to a conference final. Let's call that being what title contention means, right? You're in the top four. Yep. So it's like, can you get a guy as good as like Jimmy Butler? Right, who Jimmy Butler in his two finals has not been good enough, and the teams have not been good enough to really have a chance against the Lakers in 2020 or the Nuggets last year. But they are a title contender. Um, so the question is like, I think with okay, see, I feel like they already have a one and two that's kind of at that level of a Jimmy and Bam, call it
0: could be. It's still paper gains right now. Shea, like, is, it-
1: Shea is, I think, there. I think I'm willing to put... Shea, fine, Shea's
0: there. It's definitely the trajectory, and Chet's on the trajectory more so than a Simonis, who has a more Shea, limited ceiling.
1: Shea, Chet Chet is unproven, so I'm not going to say anything but, other than, yeah, he's he could get there. He's But here's the
0: though, thing, right? Funny. If you're a team like the Kings, and you haven't drafted that guy, and he's not on your roster already, that top 10 potential, right. you're not getting him.
1: Like, even right. Siakam, if we
0: get him, he's the third best player on our team. So, and, and Siakam is like a very big... Like, he commands, what, three picks couple of players, um, potentially Keegan we're talking about. So my my point is there's never a scenario in which we're going to get a top 10 guy uh, unless it's through the draft because it's someone promising like Chet, um, which is not going to happen because we're too good and we're going to contend. So I really think we have to get – we already have two all-NBA guys. I think Fox is a superstar. I don't think he's just a star. I think he's a superstar. But Sabonis, you're right. He's really good, but he's not on the level of some of the other bigs, like a Jokic or an Embiid. Or he'll never be. So, Yeah. But I'm well, fine I with think, that. Look,
1: I think Fox turning into basically a top 15 guy came out of a little bit of nowhere from where his first couple of seasons were. Mm-hmm. I know he averaged like 24, 25 a game the year before. Everyone thought he was good. But that has been a revelation. So you kind of have to hope that a Keegan version looks similar, right, where he's like fine – People aren't over the moon around, about him over you know, around the country, but then he turns into something that you haven't seen by year four um or year five. Because that's really Fox was almost considered for as good as Fox is, it's almost as if he was a late bloomer. Which is Yeah, oh he
0: was, he was, because even though he looked like a good scoring guard, no one thought he'd be this dominant, this good.
1: I mean, and, one year ago Bill Simmons said they should trade him for Russell Westbrook in the two picks. Yeah. <laughs> now he's an idiot, but nonetheless the fact that, that that was even considered a statement to be made just one season ago shows you the wild. leap he's made. Yeah. And yeah. and with
0: Keegan, the worry the worry I have is don't settle into an auto porter like career. Where, yeah, you're a good shooter, you're a big wing, and there's so much promise for you as a three and D guy, high draft pick. You know, you know this better than anyone. Um and he was what, the third was he the third best player on that? The Wall Beal Wizards. Porter. Porter. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and so, you know, you're like, oh, Probably. you've got your third piece. You've got your two stars. You've got your third piece. But ultimately, he never got better than that. And the Wizards, it's obviously, real, we know what
1: happened. Because you also pay him, right? You pay him because you're yeah. like, oh, well, he's our third guy. And then he deserves, he feels like he walked into that contract and he doesn't need to earn any more. Yeah. It is, the, giving guys contracts before they've played into it is. Bad at the top but you hope that their talent wins out like if Cade Cunningham goes and gets a max contract from Detroit this summer like I expect. He's been one of the least efficient players in NBA history, but he at least has enough talent to maybe play his way into it. When you make that mistake with these third tier fourth tier guys you're dead. And that's what happened with Otto Porter. Yeah.
0: And th- that's a pessimist in me saying like, if that happens with Keegan, right, we end up paying yeah. him a lot. He never le- takes the leap and he ends up being an auto Porter, which is solid career. But now you've committed so much money to a guy and he's not taking you to the next level. So,
1: well, auto Porter was like, how do I get to San pay as fast as possible? So at least With Keegan, you might find that he cares about basketball. He does, he does. Yeah, I'm not worried about that part of it. Otto (laughs) was like, how do I get my Versace, like, SSBD on and, like, be on a yacht with, like, 11 women? That was kind of his goal. Less so about, can I figure out how to triple threat my way into getting (laughs) to the rim outside of just standing there and shooting? True. Um, So, all right, last team to talk about. Should we quickly talk about the Clippers? I'm tired of
0: the Clippers, man. I mean, what do you want to say? Panic meter.
1: Panic meter, yes or no? You feel like they're going to figure something out or you think this is like kind of toast? Like, Let me ask you this. Very brass tacks, binary. Do they make the playoffs or not? Yes, they make it. Okay. okay.
0: I think they'll, they'll right the ship, but I definitely am not as scared of them. And I think they'll figure it out, but I, some of the depth they've lost in Harden, I'm just not convinced that that's going to put them over the top. So I actually thought they the trade made sense for them, but early returns have not been
1: good. But they do make the playoffs, in my mind. Okay. I would How agree. I, I would agree. I'm just looking at, like, the top eight, and, like, this is where it gets really hairy, right? Because currently you have the Pelicans, the Warriors, and the Clippers all out of the top eight, right? And now we knew there was 11 teams going for eight spots. So even one was not even going to make the play-in tournament. Two were not... Two more, we're not going to make the playoffs. If you had to bet your life on right now, like if you look at the top 11, that doesn't even count Memphis, right? Who's in a tailspin without Ja. Everyone would say Houston's going to fall out, right? But then after yeah. that, who is the other team that you feel you would boot from this current top eight? It just Minnesota? needs to be Houston. No, because that means the Warriors are out?
0: No, dude. Look, look, 10 teams make it, right? I'm so that means... Play
1: Don't worry about the play-in. That's not the playoffs. Oh, then you're right. They might be a playing team. You're right. So who doesn't make the playoffs, though? I'm just, I can't get my head around this.
0: Uh, it's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I, I would not, honestly, I would not be surprised the way the Warriors, uh, I mean,
1: they're they could so be a playing team. Deficient. They're so talent deficient. Yeah, it's stuff.
0: like two years ago. Uh, no, not two years ago. Three years
1: ago? What was the year they lost to the Lakers in the play-in? Yeah, that was uh, that's a good point. That was just uh, yeah, the year before they won the title. Yeah, that that was a year where it was still a y- they they had True. healthy staff didn't make the playoffs. That's a good point,
0: healthy staff, and yeah. So that to me is the closest comp. It could be the Warriors, but uh, and Pel- Hey, look, Pelicans have been amazing, like amazing. But we saw this story last year, and so and I wouldn't put it past them that no. they might
1: slip or could slip. Yeah, I mean, they've been good when their guys play, but you can't really count on that. But, you know, zion, Zion's zion been not quite Zion yet, and I'm worried that, I don't know if it's just gone or if he's just playing his way back into shape. And I mean, the numbers are there, sort of, but it's not that, like, just physical aerial dominance that we used to see.
0: Yeah, agreed. Not Not what we watched late night after a night out on uh, YouTube. Missed those days.
1: Yeah, exactly. Punking on high so. school kids. All right, I think that's a wrap for us. We're going to probably end up talking about the West so much more than the East this season because like I think there's a couple interesting storylines in the East. We didn't hit the Cavs, we didn't hit the Sixers, but like the West is where my mind is every night when I just look at the Gauntlet. Um but anyway, we'll we'll be back next week with with more reactions, more in-season tournament analysis after two more ga- two more nights of those games and then hopefully we'll be close right at that point to solidifying who's going to advance from the brackets. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, tonight's slate
0: will be interesting. We've got some, like, I think the Lakers win today. They're in. Uh, yeah. So a couple like, you know, I think tonight itself, we're going to start seeing some teams lock that spot yep. uh, and things start to shake out.
1: Yeah. But, Shout out to Alpern Sangoon, by the way. I feel like I liked him at some point. And I should get credit for him. <laughs> of course, you want to try it.
0: No, we I mean we've liked him, but I am actually surprised he's gotten this good this fast. Um the trajectory was always there, but this season he's already been playing um dare I say, all star level. Um but, yeah, he's been great. Yeah,
1: I mean, he looks like a mini Jokic out there in some ways with the passing and with the you know high post offense. It's uh, let
0: Let's mini Sabonis. Closer to Sabonis than Sabonis is to Jokic, but still. like, Let's not take a leap past Sabonis just yet. That's probably
1: fair. But how old is this kid? He's 21.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The trajectory. He's doing this even earlier, but my point <coughs> is.
1: 21, he's 21 years old, he's averaging 21, 9, and 6. 59% from the field. 24
0: PER, I mean, geez. Oh, yeah, yeah, No, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's prom- the fact that he's doing it already is amazing because he was always supposed to be a little bit more of a – he's never a project, but, you know, given that he played in that crap Houston team last year, I didn't expect him to just jump off the page this year, and he has. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, that is a wrap for us. We will be back next week. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops. Please follow us on all major podcast platforms. Happy Thanksgiving, Karthik. And to all those listening, we will talk to you next week.